Welcome, welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I am joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? Highlight your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And here on the sophomore episode of the Michelle Mission in 2021, we are going to spend a little time getting some soul with 2020s film of the same name soul starring jamie fox tina fey and wonderful appearances by angela bassett felicia rashad and blink and you'll miss them david diggs <laughs> that's true that's very true but before we get to pixar's soul mr webb do we have some news and mail oh, we got- and business we, <laughs> we got all of that vince but you know what um Talking about soul, it made me, uh, a question came to my mind. And you're a big R&B, hip-hop head. True. What is, what is your favorite song with the word soul in it? Now, I'll tell you mine. Mine, okay. hands down, is, you know I got soul, Eric B and Rakim. Of course. I love that song. Uh, I can listen to that song almost on repeat all day long. Absolutely love that song. And every time I think of this movie, I think of that song and I'm waiting for it to show up in the movie and it doesn't. And I'm slightly disappointed about that. I am. I am the exact same way. I'm sure as soon as we stop taping, I'm going to think of a song with soul in the title that I like more than Eric B and Rakim's, you know, you got soul. But like you, I cannot hear the word soul without going through the whole thing. Right? I, think I said it last week. If we didn't, we wouldn't be here. Exactly. Be here. So, so it is. It's like Pavlov's dog. If someone says the word soul, you know, well, you know you got soul. If we didn't, we wouldn't be here. So. But we do have listeners. Put a mail. pin in that, though. Put a pin in that, though, about that not coming up in the film. Because that actually speaks to a question I had. All right. All right. It is consider it pinned. All right. Uh, but we do have an email, Vince Vincenzo. All right. And it comes from Shantae Williams. Hey, Shantae. Speaking of uh, hip hop, that's a good hip hop <laughs> name right there. She Shantae. She, she, <laughs> she Shantae. Uh, she writes in regards to our review last week of Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Hey, fellas. I enjoyed the podcast this week, per usual. Thank and you. And I, w- I went to see this movie, and I was in awe of how beautiful it looked. I talked about it on social media and encouraged people to check it out. You were talking about the realness of the characters, and I think that Miles' dad looks like a chunky ludicrous. Watch it again. You <laughs> won't be able to unsee it. <laughs> wow. I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I was calling Ludacris when I was seeing him. Chunky Ludacris sounds like a good dessert, though. That does not sound like a good dessert. Chunky Ludacris? Like Chunky Ludacris. It seems like it would... It's almost like a brownie situation. 
with like nuts. <laughs> well, now, like now you're talking of, ludicrous. Like like peanut butter stripe, and it's like, ooh, I'm like Ben and Jerry's could have a flavor mm. called Chunky Ludicrous. <laughs> He's from Atlanta, so maybe you could incorporate some peaches in there. Okay, all right, Ben. Yeah. Jerry, give me a call. Speaking of having too much in there, I probably <laughs> like you, once- Mr. Producer. <laughs> Segwaying. Once a, once a month since this whole, you know, stays, you know, uh, stay in a house, shelter in place that the world has been on. Um, once a month, I treat myself to ordering out from the Cheesecake Factory. So then I okay. get a, assorted cheesecakes. Now, I always get, I get three cheesecakes. One for each day of the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. I, get the, I get the Godiva chocolate cheesecake. I get the chocolate mousse cheesecake. And then I get a um, uh, 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 the surprise one. I just, try, I just try one, right? So this past okay. week, I... I got the Reese's peanut butter cup cheesecake from okay. the Cheesecake Factory. All right. I did not make it past two forkfuls, uh, two scoops of this. It was just too much. It was beat just, you down. It was just an overload of like too much. Like there was chocolate and the peanut butter and then the cheese and it was it was just it was just too too much you know what i mean now did you have it friday or sunday well here's the thing i had it well no i i smartly had it saturday so i still had a good piece of cheesecake waiting for me on sunday that i actually didn't wind up not eating until monday um but i i didn't have see i and this also disappointed me because i also bought some uh chocolate chip cookies from the shop right and i got home and they were stale so not only did i have um an overload on my saturday cheesecake but my chocolate chip cookies were also no good so saturday i did not have a dessert right right and at some point at some point during the weekend you had a big salad Right or you know, no. you skip one or two of these meals and just drank water. <laughs> like you intermittently fasted, <laughs> so that you could eat three thousand calories of cheesecake, cheesecake every night. That's that's also what you did, correct? No, that's not. That's not. See, here's here's the thing, though, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Every, every day during the week, every day during the week, I do um, at least 100 to 120 push-ups and 100 okay. to 120 crunches. Monday All right. through Friday. All right. So you got to frame it. And I still yeah. watch what I eat. But on the weekend, I treat myself to okay. a slice of cheesecake each day. I just didn't want people to think you were out here. <laughs> Like Jeffrey Goldblum, forty minutes <laughs> into the fly. <laughs> oh, 
over there with a spoon just digging out the trash can. <laughs> I just wanted to get it all on record. I wanted people to understand you're not just sitting there because you sounded real crazy. <laughs> why is it, why is it so you sound like you were going to be on the show on TLC. <laughs> I only eat cheesecake. <laughs> so I just wanted people to know that there's a whole, you know, composition to how you approach. That's all. That's all. I'm just looking out for you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Before your older sister hears this and you get in trouble. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know what I also did this weekend, Vince? I watched Took a long Sil- walk. <laughs> I did, actually. <laughs> I did. I, I, I did. I walked three miles. All right. Um, <laughs> that's right, Sharon. That's right, Sharon. I'm living that hashtag once a day cheesecake life. <laughs> right. And she supports me. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. Sharon. Right. We call that codependency. Hey, hey, we call that missionary love. Be quiet, Vince. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. What else did you do this weekend? I watched Sylvie's Love. The Tessa oh. Thompson movie. How would uh, you think? New, a Tessa Thompson movie. I, I'm trying to remember where I watched it. I watched it on, on, uh, on Amazon. That's right. It was on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. And it stars uh, Tessa Thompson with uh, Namdi uh, Asuka. I, and I, I, I'm very sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name. I apologize. I just call him Kerry Washington's husband. Is he? I, did, I wasn't aware of that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad film. It's, uh, it's a period. I don't know. Have you watched it? Or you, you, you know of it? It is. It is steadily moving up to the top of my list i'll tell you how it's moving up after you finish go ahead it's a it's a period piece takes place in the 50s and it really at the long and short of it it's just the love story that really is what it is it's not trying to be any deeper than that um it's probably especially for an amazon movie it's probably a good 10 15 minutes longer than it probably needs to be. Okay. Um, but to be a period piece, you you are taken back to that moment in time in the 50s. And it is very interesting and very kind of cool to see, you know, these black faces um, just living, you know, not, you know, they're not trying to change the world. It's just trying to get from A to B. You know what I mean? Sure, um, sure. And uh, and Tessa Thompson is. It was also good to see. Good to see Tessa Thompson because a lot of times that I've seen her have either been in action or it's been in drama, right? And this one, she is asked to be, you know, decidedly more funny, asked to be romantic, um, asked to really carry the movie. Um, and she's a knockout. She's a knockout yeah, in the film. Yeah, she's a knockout in the film, most definitely. Um, she overshadows her co-star Namdi uh, a bit. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but um, she is definitely the the reason to watch Sylvie's Love. It, it, it was it was cute. It was a cute film. 
Okay. Okay. It's it is very much on my list. You know, we are big Tessa Thompson fans here on the show. And I saw him in the production of a soldier's play that was right. on Broadway, I guess last year with Blair Underwood. That's and, right, that's right. You know, same thing. He he was very much overshadowed by the other more polished and seasoned actors. Mm-hmm. But he was okay. Yeah. Like like he you, you know he didn't he wasn't distracting, but it's moving up to the top of our list because we started small acts, finally, mm-hmm. and watch oh, Mangrove really? the the first the first film slash feature in the small acts anthology also on Amazon by Steve McQueen, and and it was excellent. I don't know oh, if is you it started small. It no, was I haven't. Excellent. Letitia Wright is is fantastic mm-hmm. in it. Okay, and a bunch right. of British actors, and I don't know if they're Afro Caribbean. I mean, um, British Caribbean or Caribbean actors, and I, I believe I'm they not all familiar, are. But they're all very good. Mm-hmm. They're all very good. So we are now officially working through small acts, and I feel like Sylvie's love is is next. So cool, cool. Uh, Aaron Fry. This is up. What's up, Aaron? Hey, what's up, Aaron? He says, please stop the ice cream talk. I lost 26 pounds in two and a half months. No sugar and two (laughs) meals a day is incredibly demanding. Didn't think about ice cream until now. Uh, If it's any consolation, we were mostly talking about cheesecake. (laughs) I was about to say, Aaron is is actually a crazy person. (laughs) Don't you say nothing about my mama. Wait, what? <laughs> we were talking about cheesecake, uh, uh, Aaron. So you're fine. You're you're safe hands here. Right, right, right. We wouldn't do that to you and your diet. God bless you, bro. This was up. Twenty six pounds in two and a half months. Wow. Yeah, Congratulations. That's impressive. Yeah. Congratulations, man. I, I'm assuming it's what you wanted to do. So, God bless. You know. All right. Um. All right. Well, so th- that was our listener mail that we had. Okay. Vincent, Vincent, that part of the show is a wrap. All right. Um, and oh, we also, I know there was something else. We got a, n- a new review on okay. Apple Podcasts. Hey! And this comes from Euphonious Funk. Alright. Hey, Euphonious Funk. And I had never heard of that word, um, or if I had, I had never seen it spelled out. Right. Um, do you know what euphonious means? Nope. It means pleasant sounding. Oh. Um, well, euphonious is a pleasant sounding word. There you go. And <clears throat> euphonious says that we are euphonious funk. You oh, fellas. <laughs> You fellas had me once I saw the title of your podcast was The Me Show Mission. Thank you for adding another thing I look forward to doing on Wednesdays along with new comic book release day. Keep up the good work. Uh, The word euphonious is apropos for the great auditory experience you give your fans every week. This is Euphonious Funk signing off. Oh, well, thank you, Euphonious Funk. Yeah, thank you very much. That was dope. 
It's very nice. Yeah. Okie dokie. Uh, shout out to each and every one of you and all the rest of you out there watching us on Facebook and YouTube streaming live as we are, as we were. Uh, Miss uh, Makiba says, thanks guys. You have just articulated the main issue, main, main issue people have with movies where people get to just be. People tend to complain the movies are too slow or they couldn't get into it. Yeah, see, like, I'm a sucker for a movie. Well, I love movies. But I'm a yes. sucker for a movie that is really just like a, a just like a moment in time. And it's just <clears throat> the people just being. You know what I mean? Like, I would, and when you think about it, it, it I don't know if you would agree, but when she said that, I was immediately thinking about a raisin in the sun. Uh-huh. And I think one of the reasons why that succeeds is maybe not so much in the second half of the, you know, in the second act. But the reason why that succeeds is because it is really just about a moment in time. It's about these people just waiting for some insurance money, waiting for the mail to come in. The whole the the whole like first act is basically them waiting for the mail, you know, and yeah. coming, getting, oh, yeah. going in and out of the room. Uh, it really is. It, it really is just like this snapshot. You're just a fly on the wall watching these people just live their lives the way they, they are now, because this is a play, maybe that's a little bit more dramatized in it. And then, and thus the acting and the, and the, and the, the line readings are, are such, but, I'm a sucker for movies like that, man. And, and and I think that's one of the reasons why I did enjoy Sylvie's Love so much because there's a moment where she and um, the co-lead, Namdi, um, they get locked in the basement and they're just having a conversation. And it's not a conversation of where you can see them falling in love. They are seriously just having the conversation and it's just a fun little moment you know what i mean it's just a fun little character bit and it's a uh shout out to the producers of that of that film that they had the courage to write that scene and just let it be just like that uh the screenplay was written by eugene ash who also directed it so uh shout out to eugene for just having the courage to just just have a uh, taking the time for just that small little scene where they're really just talking about music while they're sitting on the, the basement steps. Sure. Look, Ooh. we we it, it is well documented, and I like to always say it. You and I were on the Barry Jenkins train from day zero. Yep. Like yep. we were early yep. adopters. And part of that is because Medicine for Melancholy, his first mm-hmm. film, is is really just that. Yep. It's these two people hanging out all day. Mm-hmm. And they sort of talk about issues and race comes up as it does. But it's just, you have these two well-developed characters enjoying each other's company and we get to eavesdrop as the audience. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you don't see that a lot with black characters. Right. So... Like I said, it is certainly on the list. 
Yeah. Uh, there is a film. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think this is part of Small Acts, but there's a film on Amazon. It looks like it's going. It's it's on Amazon. Lovers Rock. Are you familiar with this film? Uh, yeah, I think that's part of Small Acts. Yeah, that's why I, th- I thought it was part. Of Small yeah, it's part of Small Acts. Yeah, uh, by Steve McQueen. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and Chris Stevens in the uh, comments just uh, mentioned about that film, saying that it's a great film from this year where you're just flying a wall, watching things play out. Yeah, so. apparently, apparently, Lovers Rock is the jewel of like that's what the word is. Oh, and really? I'm looking forward to that because Mangrove was excellent. Now, are these feature are these feature length films? I thought they were. Maybe you know what? Films. I thought they were an hour, but Mangrove was two hours. Okay. Okay. So now I'm like, did this brother just put out a bunch of movies? <laughs> this dude just put out an anthology of feature films. Right. Right. <laughs> God damn, black people can't never just do regular stuff. So it's like, yeah. Steve McQueen said, I'm gonna just make some movies. Dang, I ain't mad at him though. Look, uh, it's it is it is a beautiful moment. I'm not gonna call the show out that I was talking about. I don't think I maybe we were talking about, but we were talking about something, and I said I don't watch it just because it's okay. Um, and this is not the time for okay. Well, that's true. Like no one like there's too much good stuff. For just okay. Uh, speaking of good stuff, Aaron Fry says that I guess I was thinking about <laughs> cheesecake ice cream, which is one of my favorites. <laughs> okay, Aaron, you're going to have to give yourself a cheat day or something. <laughs> Real dog. <laughs> just to get it out your system. You need some help. Though, I will say, bringing it back around, um, I guess I don't know. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> ben and Jerry's—they <laughs> had an ice cream flavor called New York cheesecake that I got one time, and I thought it was absolutely delicious. And I have yet—I can't find it. And you—you're gonna stop ever. all this free advertising for people too, <laughs> like Cheesecake Factory. And Ben and Jerry's can't be sponsors. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they will. Maybe they'll sign up to be sponsors. Well, right? hopefully, yeah. Now they see that we got love for them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> All weekend, apparently. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um. Uh, so you just gonna be cool the whole time, right? Let me see what's. Let me look at the timer. How come the timer's not up on my screen? What you? Oh, there it is. So we've been talking for twenty minutes. You you just not gonna mention that Phil Lord tweeted about us? <laughs> like you just that cool? Like I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I was like, now I know Liz. Like are we just not gonna mention that the dude who wrote <laughs> Spider Man into the Spidey Verse? is a missionary like we're not going to talk about that at all you just want to talk some more about cheesecake <laughs> and aaron's gonna think it's ice cream think of speaking of good things that happened last <laughs> week <laughs> we reviewed spider-man into the spider-verse and toya haynes our dutiful 
um, social media director posted out on Twitter about us reviewing the film. And lo and behold, missionaries, we heard from the director of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Writer, writer. And writer, Phil Lord, who, and I'm going to find the, the tweet so that I can read from it directly so that Vince will be very happy. Uh, um, because this had me and Vince giddy for days upon days when this happened, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, here we go. I'm going to go find the tweet right now from Mr. Phil Lord, where he said, you guys are too nice. Thanks, Michelle Mission. I listen to your show all the time, and so should everyone. How nice is that? That's Thank really, you. That, that's, that's really all. nice. I just want to, to acknowledge it on the show, you know? It's really nice. That is very, very nice. Very appreciative. Um, yes. And it was really cool. It was really, really cool. That's really- all. And and we continue. And now we and now we continue. That is exactly <laughs> what we do. Well, at least at least one director likes us. That's nice. <laughs> look, 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 look. I'm gonna tell. Look, I'm gonna say it on the mic like we say. You look. You never know who was listening. You never know. You never know. Sharon. Uh, Sharon Nugget says, oh, my God, that's the coolest. We getting all thumbs up from Miss Makiba. And indeed, it was it's actually the coolest and very dope. Uh, look, you know what I say? I don't say nothing on this mic that I'm not going. I won't say to somebody's face. That's true. That is very you, true. And I never know who's that. listening. Mm-hmm. So. That's right. We've learned from the early days of the mission. Oh, yes, we learned. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we learned. <laughs> you know what it's already 27 minutes in it's time vince it is time it and is it's time, time for us to get into our review tonight of disney and pixar's soul we'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages Okay, Vince, Podglomerate has a new podcast debuting, Green Eggs and Dan. Oh. Because everyone eats. Yes. Uh, I think their mission is to tell you what the food in your refrigerator says about you. Interesting. I don't know if they want to look at the food in my refrigerator. I have to say, what's in your refrigerator? I just threw out four-week-old cheesecake. <laughs> I mean, it was good cheesecake at one time, um, but but not four weeks later. But but four weeks later, it was pretty much it was a mercy killing. Right, 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 right. You know? um, what is what do you have in your? If we were to look into your refrigerator vents, what would we? A surprising amount of cauliflower. Cauliflower. Yes, cauliflower rice, mashed cauliflower. 
I eat a surprising amount of cauliflower. What did that say about you? I don't know, but I'm sure Dan could tell us. I'm sure comedian Dan Adut could tell us on Green Eggs and Dan, a new show on Podglomerate where Dan will talk with comedians, writers, actors, and even chefs about what they love most. Guess what that is, Vince? Food? Ding, 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 circle gets the square. <laughs> the conversation starts by delving deep into the natural picture of the guest refrigerator, and then it goes from there. They're actually going to be looking in people's refrigerator, Vince. Wow. That's, um... That's boldly going where... That's very bold. No one has gone before. <laughs> Check out Green Eggs and Dan on the Podglomerate and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe, listen, join the conversation. Teach middle school band. Howdy, go for it! Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at seven. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's gonna say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! Must have been sudden for you. great before. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interest before they go to Earth. Meet 22. I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. I don't want to. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, I already know everything about Earth, and I don't want anything to do with it. You're missing out on the joys of life, like, uh, pizza. I can't smell. We can't, we can't taste either? All that stuff is in your body. No smell, no taste. Or touch. See? Okay, I get it. Wow. It's my life. Is all this living really worth dying for? You're still alive? Can you help me get back? No way! There I am. What are we waiting for? Wait, not me! That's weird. What is it? 151,000 souls go into the great beyond every day. And I count every single one of them. The counts off. Soul, the 2020 feature from Pixar, is an animated film that tells the story of Joe, a middle-aged band teacher whose life hasn't quite gone the way he expected. His true passion is jazz and he's good, but when he travels to another realm to help someone find their passion, he soon discovers what it means to have soul. 2020's Soul, directed by Pete Doctor, co-directed by Kent Powers, written by Pete Doctor, 
Mike Jones and Kemp Powers stars Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, and great turns by Questlove, Felicia Rashad, Angela Bassett, and once again, in a scene and a half, the great David Diggs. This was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, what say you of 2020's Soul? I'm going to say that this is the film that... This is the film where Pixar didn't care. Pixar has... Um, Damn, coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. They, they have been in the game for for years now they came out of the box with toy story with if it wasn't the first it was one of the first computer animated full-length feature films and it blew the doors off it it, it was a it was the um an explosion in the anim animation world and from then pixar would have hit upon hit upon hit as the quality of their films uh, kept improving as far as the animation and the the storytelling of their films would evolve and garner awards after awards uh, accolades over the years, going from Toy Story to the um, Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Bugs Life. And all the way up to just, uh, I think, two years ago, Inside Out. Mm -hmm. And all of these films have had a level of the animation is, is not to be knocked. I mean, we could go on and just do a uh, just talk about the, their, the beauty of their animation for days. Right. Mm -hmm. as, as many now in 2020, as many computer animated films that are out there computer animated uh, companies and production houses that, they, that are out there they all kneel down at the altar of pixar and it's rightfully so and it's always on display every time they put their their a game on a film right so we could go on all day about that but their storytelling is always involved and it's always been very evocative and it's always been films that kids enjoy because of the spectacle of it they enjoy the humor in it and parents appreciate it because the films have a thoughtfulness. They have mm -hmm. a, a bit of a message. They have a, a enough maturity that the parents eyes don't glaze over. Um, and the films are also filled with enough member berries that are going to keep the parents uh, awake and enjoying them. Right. And mm -hmm. that has been their recipe for success forever. Mm -hmm. And then it got to Soul and Pete Docter, the director of this movie, coming off of Inside Out, an mm -hmm. award-winning film that was that spoke about what it the what it meant to be a little girl and having to deal with all of these feelings that are inside of you warring against one another and looking at life from that perspective in a fanciful fantastical way as inside out did coming out of that film pete doctor and trying to figure out what he was going to do next said you know what i think i got to do one for the, for the grown-ups in the room 
we are bringing grownups to the room. The grownups have been in the room all the time. I think we're going to have to give the grownups some. Yeah, we'll put in some memory berries for the kids. We'll put in some softness. We'll put in a little ha 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 he he he's for the kids. We'll have like a little fat cat running around in, in the movie for the kids. But I think we got to do one for the grownups. And then once you settle on that and you bring in all uh, uh, Kent Powers to help with with the writing of the film and Mike mm-hmm. Jones to write with the writing of the film and they go through two years of production of figuring this out exactly how they're going to do put this film together and they settle on that the protagonist in this film is going to be a middle-aged black teacher slash wannabe jazz pianist when they settle on that and they lean into that then all bets are off they're just going they're just going to make the movie that they're going to make and they're going to trust the brand that is pixar that people are going to come along for the ride the kids are going to come along for the ride and they're going to watch this movie and they're going to get what they get out of it and um it's going to open up some questions in their head but they're going to be there with their parents and the parents are going to be lockstep in them because there's going to be aspects of this movie that don't just speak to parents that don't just like tickle their funny bone but there's going to be there's going to be aspects of this this film that really resonate with parents and it's going to you know make them you know for the first time identify and see themselves in a pixar film and I felt that the first time I watched it, but I thought I watched this film on Christmas Day when it was released. Mm-hmm. And I thought that maybe, you know, I'm just I, for whatever reason, uh, I don't know, man. I like it's good, but it's, I, it's still I'm, I was worried about who's the audience for. Is this for right, kids? Right, because it doesn't because right, it right, doesn't have exactly. the feel of the typical Pixar film. Right. It just right. doesn't. Um, but then watching this movie again. I realized I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I think the audience for this film is for people is, is honestly for people like me. And if my if my little kid sitting next to me enjoys it, great. If not, okay, all right, that's fine. Because there is to, in this film about this jazz pianist who was who is a teacher and. At the dawn of getting his big break, finds himself dying and then has to go through this existential journey with this uh, unrequited soul, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, to find out exactly what life is. And this is a middle-aged man. He's lived a life. And this is an unrequited soul that just refuses to live. And the two of them come together to show one another exactly what life is. And what life is, is just living. That's all that life is. It is just living and celebrating the being of a lie. And that's what this... at least that's what this movie is to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like that to a bunch of other people. But as I sat and watched this film, 
that's what it was to me. And that's spoke to me in such, in such a way that I can't, I don't remember being feeling from almost any other film. Like I've watched in a very, very long time. Interesting. I'm not even going, it, it just, it just hit me, man. The, there were moments in this, in this film, there's a moment and don't get me wrong. It's funny. But there's a moment in this film where Joe Gardner, the 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 the, the teacher, who is who for a time in this film is you know uh, he's embodied by this unrequited soul, who's voiced by Tina Fey, and it's through his body that she is learning to exp- she's experiencing life. And there's a moment in, in this film where they go to a barber shop, mm-hmm. which is probably the first time since barber shop, a true barber shop experience has been on the screen, like a true barber shop. Absolutely, because quiet no is kept, ladies and gentlemen. The barber shop of you know coming to America don't exist anymore. This right. is the barber shop that you're going to right now, right? Mm-hmm. And when they go to that barber shop, not only in an animated film, do you have the full diaspora of African-American shades, colors, feelings, vibes, looks, attitudes on display in that in that barbershop. But you have the patois of African-Americanism in there. And when Joe Gardner sits at that chair and begins to have a conversation with the barber who the real Joe Gardner has been going to for years and they talk innocuously about jazz and never really have had a conversation and at this one time they have a conversation and and it reveals so much more about one another and and that resonated with me because I have long been a guy who kind of sometimes am guilty of the same thing, not taking the opportunity, you know, putting people in a box and not really enjoying it and, 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 and engaging in the moment of being with someone. Right. I try right. and I, I, I struggle with that. I, sometimes I, I know, I've grown enough that I, I, I catch myself and I keep kick mm-hmm. myself out of that. But that resonated with me. There's a moment okay. where that Joe Gardner is sitting down on a, on a stoop and it's just watching life go by. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and it's, it's just a beautiful it's just a beautiful moment. And it it, it resonated with me, man. There's a, a moment where that Joe Gardner has a conversation, has to, you know, stand up for himself with his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, who is beautifully we'll go on I'm sure later about the voice acting in this Joe Gardner is beautifully graced, voiced by Jamie Foxx this man mm-hmm. can't do anything wrong mm-hmm. um, his mother is voiced by Felicia Rashad who with her voice and that character design just epitomizes like you know this mother figure um, and it's a moment that, you know, I know a lot of brothers that have had that moment with their moms and you, but you, you're scared of that moment. You're nervous about that moment because that's your mom. And so it was, there was, there was a realness there. Um, 
I just really felt in I watching it a second time, I enjoyed this film. I I just really loved this movie. I love the feeling that it gave me. I've heard a lot of the you know, uh the the different criticisms about this movie, uh about, you know, uh, the black the the black voice being coming out of a cat in the movie and mm-hmm. him not having his own voice in the film and um you know he he's not always in his body there's moments where he is just a disembodied soul as well in this film um and there is a darkness to this film there is a there's a brother that is like accidentally you know for lack of a better word killed in this movie and then mm-hmm. return and, and i was like whoa dark and like yo that dude will never be the same you know mm-hmm. what i mean um so th- so there's a there's a, there are some things in this film but there's things in every in every film but and and it is very meditative it's not for kids i don't care what they try to say like if you if you're four to ten years old this film's not for you it's not it's not in your mm-hmm. vibe maybe you maybe if you're a little bit more mature you can watch it you watch it with your parents it, it definitely opens up questions about the here and after the hereafter you know the great beyond the great before um beautifully depicted in this film um so it it, it can definitely spark a conversation but i don't know if it's a conversation a child is ready to have with their parent and i'm pretty sure a parent is not ready to have that conversation with their child but um, but if you're in your teens and you're adult, there's a lot. There's a lot in this film to enjoy. There's there's some stuff you could talk about, but I think uh, on the whole, this was just a lovely, lovely piece of work. I enjoyed it. Okay, I'm done. You you go and then let's let's, let's chop it up. Let's chop it up. I'm ready for you. I'm ready for you, Vince. I'm ready for you because I know you're I, coming and I'm ready. I think. The way you just reviewed that was a perfect example of this film. Where if if you run back what you said talking about the film, you did not mention race for almost 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. You talked about all the other aspects of the film and and I actually, I, I agree with you. Like, it's this is the work just on a technical level of masters just just the animation on earth the abstract view of the afterlife or the before life if you will that this is clearly the work of a studio that has been doing this well for decades i think the metaphysics of it this this is this is Pete Doctor's thing. Like mm-hmm. this is like like when you look at what Pete Doctor has worked on at Pixar and and you look at Up and you look at in my mind is the last great Pixar masterpiece which is Inside Out. Mm-hmm. This is right up his his valley and I think this is a film that as you said puts these issues in the forefront in a way that I do wonder if this was something that was made for children. But when you say race is an afterthought in this film, I think the problem with blackness being an afterthought is that the default is 
missteps that could have been easily avoided. Okay. Missteps that could have been easily avoided, as you said. And, and, and I have to say, I've been concerned about this film through its development, just from interviews with Pete doctor, where Pete doctor said that he didn't know about this trope of black characters, not having their bodies until it was told to him well into the production of this film. And as I've said, I know this has been a very public conversation, at least since The Princess and the Frog. So for over a decade, people have been talking about this. So for Mm -hmm. you to be basically one of the kingpins at the most influential animation house in the world, making a film about a black character and you had no knowledge of this gave me pause about how invested you were in making this film about blackness. As you said, the decision to make this character black happened into the development of the film. This was not a film that from the ground floor, they said, we're going to make this character black. And just to fast forward to the end of my review, this film did not have to have a black character. Mm Mm-hmm. I would dare say I would have liked the film better if there just were no black people in it. Like if Joe Gardner would have been a rock musician or, you you know, I don't know, a, a classical composer and the exact same storyline and then just kind of go from there. There are beautiful moments in this film. As you said, the, the, the moment that everyone talks about is the barbershop scene which is glorious. It is a glorious moment in this film, but in my mind, it is parallel to those performances in those films from the 40s where the black the, the black acts would come out and perform, and it's not really part of the plot of the film. The, the black acts would come out, and you can see that they're inserted in the film in a way that when those films went to the Southern distributors they could just cut that part out and take it out. Like there's nothing about the barbershop scene that is crucial to the film. And Uh, I disagree. I mean, you can disagree, but the plot is not moved along any way in the barbershop that it's not moved along the rest of the time. I mean, 22 is learning how to live. 22 is showing Joe, what all he's missed, Joe is seeing it through 22's eyes. If you clip out that five-minute scene, it's the exact same film. She still had pizza. She still told, told the girl to play trombone. She still has the moment with his mom with the suit. And it's the same film. It's a beautiful scene, but it's a scene that, again is sort of put on like like there's this veneer that's put on and 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 again I think even with the with, with the with the part about this character doesn't have to be black in my mind 90% of the issue like we talk about the character not being black then there's the fact that the character gets get outed like you have this white woman who tries to steal his body not a white woman we could say she's not a white woman but when they say in the actual film you sound like a middle-aged white woman 
and she's voiced by Tina Fey, I invoke the panthro slash jazz from the Transformers rule. <laughs> this is a white woman. It's a white voice. It's a, I mean, just a few months ago, you and I talked about the Goofy movie and the way race is is encoded in these characters. So I don't care what it oh, it's not. No, it's Tina Fey. And I love Tina Fey. Tina Fey didn't have to be in this movie, though. Like, this is not Ellen DeGeneres in Finding Nemo or Amy Poehler in Inside Out. Like, this is not a voice performance that if someone else played it, somehow it would have affected the quality of the film. You use well, well, a magic... You use a magic wand and you put me in charge. 90% of the icky racial politics in this film are solved. If you just, th just drop Issa Rae in this role, drop Michaela Cole in this role. You know what I was thinking? Drop Tiffany Haddish in the role and keep the joke. Have Joe say, why do you sound like Tiffany Haddish? And she says, cause this voice is really annoying. She's ready. And then lean into it. So then you don't have this that you're talking about. And you're saying you haven't seen this before, this sort of late development of, of an artist or of a person, and now they're appreciating life about how it is. And I call complete shenanigans on that because we just talked about this storyline less than a month ago with the 40-year-old version. So yeah, that... Ultimately, like I liked it, it was okay, but I, I really do feel like the overall quality of it wasn't good enough for me to ignore the other part. And not for nothing, Obviously, I don't know. I wasn't in the room. And, and you know, it's, 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 it's like they say, success has many fathers. Failure has none. I don't know what the dynamic was between Kemp Powers and Pete Doctor and who made what decision to do what with where. But I just read a, an interview with Pete Doctor where Pete Doctor said one of the endings that they thought about was that Joe would sacrifice himself and stay in the afterlife so that mm -hmm. Tina Fey's character would go on. And that is completely where the narrative is headed. Like that moment where the character, where, where, um, where the character drops in and says, Joe, we're going to give you another chance. That feels like a last minute addition where somebody I, I said, that. where somebody said, you cannot do this. And the whole film feels like that to me. It feels like Pete Doctor had a plan. He decided to make the character black. He rightfully pulled in some black people. But I don't know how much their input changed the actual course of the narrative. And ultimately, I think it's like it's not black enough for me to really be invested in it, but it's too black so that it distracts me from all of the metaphysical elements that, that, you know, rightfully you spent all that time talking about. Well, first of all, I'm going to go back to the barbershop scene. I think that that barbershop scene is 
I don't think you can necessarily excise that from the, from the film because I think what happens in that barbershop scene is for Joe's benefit. Joe, up until this point, thinks he has an idea of what is happening. Like, you know, he thinks because of what he has experienced in the great beyond and great before what have you is that people have a purpose or or, or spark as they say mm-hmm. and he in that barbershop feels like you know um the barber who i'm, I'm gonna get his name real quick uh i had it i had it i had his name i had his name hold on 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 uh des des um mm-hmm. He feels like Des Spark is is cutting hair. You know what I mean? Um, because he's such a, a a good barber, and he goes in there. You know, he's been going to this barbershop with with pretty much like having that guy in the, in that box, and that barbershop scene allows Joe to see what just taking a moment of being not about yourself and just being in the moment can open up and he and there is learns so much more about Des learns about his true dreams and how his life played out and how he enjoys himself he's, he's not upset he's not he's not he's not mad at where he he is he he's found joy in what in what he does and that's an eye opener for Joe's character that and if you and is that a, a a stop along the way towards his ultimate enlightenment at the end of the film? Yes, but I think it's a crucial point. And I think if that is not there, then you don't necessarily get get to the end. Now, yes, could you have written another scene? Certainly, you could have always written another scene, but that's the scene that they wrote. Sure, you sure. know what I mean? Um, no, no, no. I'm going to play fair. I'm going to play fair. That scene's not there at all. The rest of the film is exactly how it is. When he steps out from the gig at the end of the night and Angela Bassett's character um, Tell, gives him the Dor- water story. Dor- yeah, Doretha, and she tells the water story. How's he not land on the same place? I don't think he la- he doesn't land on the same place there because why not? Because at, at, because in that moment he yes is he realizing like oh this is not all that you know he has worked it up to be uh, through um, throughout his whole life you know this, this what he was working for what he has been striving for this whole day this this is what the man came back to the came back to life for you know what right. I mean right but. The barbershop but, is literally a detour. No, it's not. It, it, it. You can call it a detour, but when he has that moment with uh, Doretha Williams' character, and then goes home and relives his day, he relives every step along his way, including the barbershop, and and that is where he begins to. It all starts to settle in for him and he he needs that step along the way this the 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 um the gig is not the moment the moment after the gig is not the moment it's the it's the 
meditation afterwards the meditation on why why am i feeling this way Mm -hmm. why did this not do this for me and reliving everything else that it that is the moment that is the the eye-opening moment and that barbershop is one step along that way towards that enlightenment and it is a crucial part of that it's also a crucial. i agree it's a step but you're saying the pizza his mom in the suit Cody Chestnut in the subway. Cody Chestnut. Actually, that's a, that's a that the Cody Chestnut is 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 a is a quick thing. The the pizza is a quick thing. The mom is 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 a big piece. The barbershop is a big is a big piece. There are there are going to be like yes little little nuggets here and there, but then mm-hmm. there are also big big chunks. There are also big bites. Of All it. right. And the barbershop barbershop right. is Go a ahead. big bite. So right. I I disagree with you on on, on that point. Um, and I also disagree that you know, like, yeah, you could have made this another another character. It could have been just a white person. It could have just been rock or whatever. I, I you know, um, I don't think it necessarily. Maybe, maybe, like you said, opera or or classical music. I don't think that there is the um, uh, for lack of a better word, the soul in rock music or pop music or in most other forms even r&b there's there's not a soul that is there that you will find in jazz which makes it analogous to what this movie is about so i think jazz is where you have to is is a great place to be there and when you go with jazz then that puts you in to you know african american uh, worldview because of how many jazz artists are African African American have been and 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 are so. I think that it being African American works in this movie, um, and I and it works for me. One of the moments that a lot of people talk about is in that in the scene where he's talking to his his mom. And I yes. think, and I think, and if you want to talk about maybe input, I, you know, we don't know whether or not this was Pete Doctor's decision, Ken Powers' decision, or all of the people that are brought in to think about this movie's decision. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, one of the smart things mm-hmm. that this movie yep. does, and yep. and is a, and shows you that you know, for any missteps that they make they made they were honest missteps on trying to do the right thing is that in that moment where where joe is talking to his mom and he's telling and for the first time he's standing up to his mom while the scene the scene first of all is always told in jamie fox's voice is jamie fox's voice that is saying it right because if people if people don't haven't seen it jamie fox is in the cat Tina Fey is in his body, but because right. the audience is in on it, we hear Tina Fey's voice come right. out of Jamie Foxx's body for the entire time that she's in Jamie Foxx's body, except for comedic effect or this moment that you're talking about. Right. Because in this moment when he's standing up to his mother for the first time, you know, you see Jamie Foxx's voice coming from the cat. You know, basically, because he says, all right, say this 
tell her this because now and 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 how, how many times is it is it like that when you're outside of yourself you can you know what you want to say so he's outside of himself and he knows what he wants to say and you hear Jamie Foxx begin to say what he wants to tell his mom telling uh Joe slash Tina Fey to say and then there's a nice little a smart little you know crossfade uh to the Joe Gardner character who was now once again speaking in Jamie Foxx's voice continuing on saying what he wants to say to his mom and I think it would have been for those who want to say that this film was tone deaf it would have been very easy for them to just continue having Tina Fey say say those lines at that moment but no 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But no, no. Finish. But finish I think that I think that is uh, evidence that this film is thoughtful, is trying to be as respectful as possible um, about the you know untold politics at play, um, and it works all the more for me because it lands that much stronger for me. That scene, in my mind, that moment is like the scene at the end where the narrative pulls completely off track and lets him go back to earth. In my mind, the tone deafness that you're talking about, it just, it just highlights it more. Like the whole, the whole conceit is tone deaf. And then you have this one moment where you put a bandaid over it. And then you go back to the tone deaf. And again, I think it's the next scene. I think it's the, the, the next scene where again, I joked the first time I saw it when she was in it where I said, oh, he's getting get outed because this white woman has taken over his body. But then she actually get outs him. Like she actually steals his body. (laughs) And until the plot comes in and takes it, she stole his body. What's so funny is that his affectation is his hat. Remember everybody in Get Out whose body was taken, they always wore some type of hair head stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. of where the surgery was. And I was and I actually said, and this blank blank is actually wearing a hat to cover up his scar because he just got get outed. And I'm sorry, this this is and, and tone deaf is the perfect phrase for it. This screams. There were no black people in the room when this initially was kind of laid out. And I'm st- and I'm going to go back to Tina Fey is an easy fix. Like if it's not Tina Fey, it's not as uncomfortable. It's not as icky. And it, and there's nothing about Tina Fey's performance that was crucial to this role. And in my mind, once again, I'm going to go back to what I said initially. Race is an afterthought. It was an afterthought to this. And I think what annoys me about the conversations that have happened after this film is that because there wasn't as much attention paid to these very easy fixes 
people like you and me have to have a debate about it so that people like you have to do heavy lifting that should have been unnecessary. I'm not doing heavy lifting though. I don't honestly feel like I'm I'm doing a heavy heavy lifting. I'm Lynn, how, how many conversations have you had about Soul since it came out? I've had honestly three. And how many of those three conversations have been you halfway having to defend it? Um, not really. Well, one, one, one. Uh-huh. I kind of had no. I one, but. It, it, one and it's with someone who doesn't like anything. Y'all, y'all talking right. about me, right? Um, uh, so and then you um, and I had the quick exchange. We did, and, we did have, and, and I think so you and I, and I think you and I are a very small microcosm of the conversations that have been having in in that have been had in, for lack of a better term, blurred world right. since Christmas Day. Is that fair? I guess so, but th- yes, yes. There, um, and it was completely yes, avoidable. Like, there, are mixed, there are mixed feelings about the film. And it was completely avoidable. Again, Princess and the Frog came out in 2009. Yes. I am positive someone has written a dissertation on Get Out. Like, if, 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 if white people didn't know about black people's fear of losing their bodies to whiteness and in and, and our bodies sort of being um, treated as, as an entity that can be taken. They've had three years. And the fact that these conversations either A, didn't come up during the production of this film, or B, they came up and people said, nah, we got more important things to worry about. I think is worth talking about. It's worth talking about. It's worth talking about. And I, I, and I honestly look, there are times where these conversations are, are valid. And no, I shouldn't say there are times. This is the valid conversation to have. But I, because it is a valid concern. Um, I just, la- I land on when I see a film that in my mind, gets it right a good 90 90 plus percent of the job then i'm cool i'm i'm cool i'm cool with it you know what i mean i i I think that's 100 fair and i think uh, i think unfortunately in my mind soul has become i always put in my category of jay-z where like it sounds like I hate Jay Z, just because I don't like Jay Z as much as everybody around me likes Jay Z. Like people say, oh, Jay Z is the greatest MC of all, the-. and then I always end up with, I mean, he's all right, and that's how I am with this. Like you, like people who like Soul tend to love Soul, which I think says a lot about this film. And what I found myself saying since Christmas Day, not just to you. But you know, I've, I've had this conversation with, with several of my friends is I'm, you know, I'm like, it's all right, but I don't love it because mm-hmm. of these issues. And again, A, it's the issues. B, it's kind of annoying because I think there are issues that we talked about. Like we, we talked about it with the princess and the frog. I think the princess and the frog kind of gets a pass 
because no one actually talked about it. It's like, okay, my bad, I didn't know. But once again, people were talking about this with Soul from the very moment that they showed that first image. From the very moment they showed that image of the ghost, people said it's, it's like soul. this. Right, Soul. It, right, right, I'm sorry, of the soul. And, and that, you know, that dumbass movie Will Smith was in last year where he was a pigeon or something. Uh, spies in disguise or something like that. Right, spies in disguise. Which another film, better than it had any right to be, but it's like, God, can black people just be? Like, can black people just be? Like, can I just be black? To quote you, Lynn, hey Lynn, can I go two hours and have fingernails? Like, can I have but fingernails? How about that? Like that was a beautiful haircut that that he got. Well, his body got because he didn't get it. <laughs> like, can I get a fade and like just keep a fade for two hours? Speaking of the barber scene, speaking of the barber scene, uh, Des, plays by Donald Rollins, Mr. Makiba uh, mentions that uh, my cousin wanted to be a veterinarian, but realized she functions as a healer in the role of a barber. That scene hit hard for her. Uh, Fatima Ali says, I agree with Vincent casting Tina Fey as 22 makes Soul the animated <laughs> get out. Um, I'm not going to go that far, Fatima. I'm not going to go that far. Aaron Fry asked the question, where did you think Joe ended up teaching or playing with playing with uh, the jazz in, in the group? Oh, let me um, take that one, Lynn, because that's that's a positive one. I was happy they didn't tell us. I was about to say the same thing. I thought thing. that was a really smart decision. I, I was say, happy they didn't tell us that. Mm -hmm. I was happy we don't know what what where uh, twenty two soul ended up. I I that that's I love that. I love yeah. the courage of that the, that ending. Right, like I love the fact that the point was now he's going to live his life. Exactly. Right. Yeah. See, I yeah. like and, that. And I she's like that. and she is living well. She, they are living. Twenty two is living the life that. She, they are living and we don't know what it is. Um, and I appreciate, I appreciated that as well. Um, mm -hmm. and that's, and that's, and that's hard to do. You'll find that in a lot of films. Like I, I famously, one of my favorite movies of all time sideways happens with, you know, the, the, the movie ends with the dude opening up a door. You don't know what happens. Um, and I, th and I think it's, it takes a lot of courage to end a film like that and trust that your audience is going to get it. And it's even more courage for an animated film to do that. Because most of the times, if you see that in an animated film, it'll end that way. But then the closing credits will kind of epilogue Right, will let everything. you know what, right. Yeah. Right. So this one does, didn't. And um, I appreciate, I appreciated that. Um, and well, it, it sounds like we're, we're kind of like on separate ends here with this film. Um, I don't know if we're on separate ends. I think we're on the same end. You're just further out than me. I, I will guess. say this. I don't know how many more times I will watch this film. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know how many more times I will watch this film either, but it's not because I don't like it. It's because there are some films that I enjoy so much, but they touch me a little bit. They touch... Too Cut much too close of a, to the a, bone. 
cut yeah. you close to the bone. And I, 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 I just, I can't revisit them. Like I'll own this film. I'll buy it. I'll own it. It'll sit proudly on my shelf, but it's, it, yeah. Yeah. I, I need, I, I need Pixar to get some more black folks at Pixar, frankly. Like I think between this and, and we can quibble about it, but, but I, I think even you could begrudgingly admit they could have handled things more elegantly as far as race is concerned. I am still sort of like, I still look at Brad Bird a little bit of, with a little bit of a side eye with his comments on Frozone's wife in The Incredibles. And just generally Pixar has, Pixar has a bit of an old white guy sheen to it. I mean, and I think, and I think that in 2021, when we are talking about all of the really interesting stuff that's that's happening in animation, I mean, we talk about Matthew Cherry, but I don't know how much you were there when it was happening. These blurred social media groups. I remember when Matthew Cherry was doing his Kickstarter for um hair love and i don't know about you but i didn't pay any attention to matthew cherry because there were dozens of young black cartoonists just as talented as matthew cherry churning out really good work all the time Mm -hmm. so that if you get more voices in the room you get a, a greater more vibrant result and ultimately i think soul frustrated me because i think it could have been something much better and something much blacker frankly so okay i it did not frustrate me i thought it was i thought it was black enough for me um I enjoyed it. I and we haven't talked about it, but another glowing aspect of this of this film, and probably for the first time in a long time in a Pixar film that is really, really being celebrated, is the music um, mm-hmm. from the score from uh, Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails to the which takes place in the in the hereafter and the great before where you he- where you hear that film that music. Um and 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 design work in 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 those realms. I, I love how they totally you know w- don't lean on any type of culture w- whatsoever. It's just all about shapes and cubism mm-hmm. and everything like that. Uh, and then John Patisse, the jazz yeah. that man yeah. puts together for for when they're on Earth. I mean, oh my God, man! I could. It was like almost watching like some beautiful new york minute movie i and i was mesmerized it's um, a gorgeous film it is a gorgeous film yeah I, it I really, really is it really so I, uh brief five seventeen, uh, real quick he says better and blacker sounds like a chris rock special and it's better than a chris <laughs> rock special i'll <laughs> say that i will say that um Bree Bree also says her favorite line, we don't crush souls here. That's what Earth is for. <laughs> that is a very good line. I'm going to tell you another good line. There's another good line, and I was looking to see if I saw it quoted someplace because I can't remember. 
But when he meets like the the guru guy who's like you know, um, yeah, this like nut dude voiced by Graham Norton, great voice work, fantastic voice work, and he talks about like you know, I'll be here when the moon is like on high, when the sixth chamber of the of the eternal equinox of the the government calls it six thirty. I cracked the hell up. <laughs> I cracked the hell up at that part, man. I thought that was so funny. A Facebook user says, first, no one enjoys watching a black man get the James Evans treatment, getting to your dream and, and um, by and then slowly by falling down a manhole was tragic. But him coming back and getting his dream only for it to be anticlimactic and pointless was even worse. Just the thought of his mother almost losing her husband and son was almost uh, too much. I don't. I think, you know, as an as a creative, as an artist. Mm-hmm. I didn't see him getting his moment as it being anticlimactic. Um, I I saw it as because because you have to remember where he where he is. If if he never goes through what he goes through and then has that moment, gets gets the big get break. And still feels that, then maybe you call it anticlimactic. But because of what he goes through, he's he's thinking differently. He's looking at life differently, and he is experiencing things differently. Sure, sure. So, uh, I, so I don't necessarily think that it was anticlimactic, nor do I think it was pointless. I don't think that he sees it as being pointless. I think it's see. I think it's. He sees it as okay. It's almost like bucket list done, but that's not my life. You know what and I mean? And now I get to go live my life. Yeah. Right. So I I I I I disagree with that with that sentiment. But again, the uh, flow of the film was he was gonna go and sacrifice that life to give twenty two her past he, back. And then he was gonna stay up there and be a a coach. Well, also the, to the also, to the unborn souls, like that's one hundred percent where this story was going, and and but also that also points to, you know, right or wrong, what you might say, that also points to a a, a point that uh, I read in a review. There are no, there's no bad guy in this movie. If you want to oh, see, yeah. the, if you want to see the guy say that the 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 um the, the accountant, accountant in space, yeah. Terry. Mm-hmm is the bad guy because he's trying to get him to to come back to the great beyond, you know, you can, for lack of there not being any other, you know, uh, antagonist, but he really is not because he's just a dude doing his job. And as he points out to Joe, you know, say what you want, Joe, you cheated. Yes. Yeah. You know, and he says that. And, and when he says that it hits home, for Joe and hopefully it hits home for the watch for the viewer as well because he did cheat you know yeah oh yeah nobody stole his life you know he wasn't looking at, the man wasn't looking both yes, ways when yes, he was crossing yes. the street was looking, yes all right real quick just real quick I'm sorry because somebody's answering a question uh, Rebecca Porter saying that the music was incredible I thought Joe went on to perform and to teach. I think he realized the fullness of life he had while teaching. I didn't recognize 22's voice, but was upset when he was 
going to give that up for her. And I think that was the idea. I think that was the idea that you were ups- you were meant to be upset, and, and um, ultimately, it's why it played out the way it, way it did. I would recommend before I'm going to jump the gun. Okay, jump the gun. Ask me. I, I, I would was. recommend that you watch the watch this film, ladies and gentlemen, primarily because one, the mass majority of the show missionaries, I think, are in the age range where they can appreciate the story. Uh, and, and the themes of this film. Um, and I think that regardless of your view on the depiction and the treatment of the African-American uh, physicality and voice in animation, I think that there is a... I think that this is a very, very fine representation of us on film in animation in depiction and in our voices and in our lifestyles up there on the screen um and i think for nothing else for the conversation that it it just created between me and vince i think these are conversation that it will create for you and whomever you watch this film with um, I think it is a, it's a very thought-provoking movie. I think it's a funny movie. I think it's a soulful movie. I think it's a, I think it's a a lovely film, um, and I think it's worthy to be uh, explored. I also think you should see this film. I think this film. I think it's a beautiful film. I mean, just on the level of craft, much like you 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 just said. I, I think. The abstract, the great before and the hereafter really reflects a keen artistic vision for mm-hmm. for this place. I think the the depiction of life in New York is beautiful. I think for a film that really is is putting forth the theme that life in and of itself is beautiful it does a great job depicting that mm-hmm. and depicting autumn in New York and depicting these people. I think the racial politics are problematic. I, I do think they're problematic for, for everything that we have talked about and everyone has talked about ad nauseum. And again, I think a lot of the issues with this film could have been avoided if as much attention was paid to that part of it as was paid to the more metaphysical aspects of it, of, of okay. the plot. Regardless, I do think the imagery is, I, I, frankly, regardless of the messy racial politics, I think the barbershop scene is worth seeing this film. Just, just for depictions of blackness, if you will. And... It's a solid Pixar film. It really is like this. This is a solid Pixar film. And ultimately, my disappointment comes from the greatest of compliments. I expect more from Pixar. I expect more. I have great expectations. I I say all the time (laughs) in my house, I am rarely disappointed in people because I don't have very many expectations of people. So if I'm ever disappointed in you, that in itself is a compliment. So, 
yes, I also think that you should see this film. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, to Miss McKeever, yes, we did speak about John Batiste and the beautiful music in this film. And I encourage everyone to go out there and, and pick up the uh, soundtrack, the score to the film. Uh, there are actual some, actually, uh, I think some uh, collector's edition vinyl records um, that were actually put out. Well, you jazz. really like soul. <laughs> hey, man. It, 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 yo, yo, I'm telling you, dog. I'm telling you, dog. This is some good stuff, man. This is some good. This is gonna. This is gonna be on. This going. Yo, this is gonna be on my Saturday. My Saturday. Listen, while I'm bopping around the house cleaning and and, and eating cheesecake. Yeah, I'll be in the evening. I can't. I can't, okay. I can't. I can't. I can't bop the cheesecake. Yeah, sit down with cheesecake, dog. All right. Yeah, sit down with that, John. But mm. when I'm bopping and cleaning during on Saturday morning, you know that, that's just gonna right, be some. Right. It's gonna be some soul playing. Definitely. All right. Uh, before we get into what we're reviewing next week on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, we invite each and every one of you who are a fan of our show uh, to go and follow us, like us, tweet at the Michelle Mission, go to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, subscribe to the Michelle Mission, show your love for the Michelle Mission. If you have any thoughts or concerns, feel free to email us at Mission at gmail.com. Hey, Lynn. What? <laughs> because we still have social media privileges. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> We're still on Twitter and Facebook. And Instagram. That dude can't go on Pinterest. <laughs> How you can't go on Pinterest? He can't go on Pinterest. Like, he can't go find a recipe for Chex Mix. How are you the president and you can't go find a recipe for Chex Mix on Pinterest? <laughs> Hope he's still got a MySpace account. <laughs> Maybe he can go post on Black Planet. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You were just you were just listing all of our social media. And I was like, yeah. We got all kinds of accounts. We're gonna we're gonna find out Trump bought Christian Mingle. I'm just God. <laughs> oh boy. It'd be funny if it wasn't actually terrifying. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I'm okay. sorry. Please continue. Okay. <laughs> anyway, if you want to um want to help support the show want to help support the show ladies and gentlemen go to michellemission.com hit swag buy some of the cool designs that we have there brought to you by way of our good friends at t public the michelle mission is a proud member of the podglomerate thepodglomerate.com curated podcast for your tender earbuds the show is available in a very edited form um for the time being on wppm lp 106.5 fm philly cam 
People Power Media here really in the can. city of Brotherly Sorry. Love and Sisterly Affection every Saturday at 1 p.m. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU FM 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. All right, Vince, I believe next week it is uh, your selection for it the is. Uh, our it viewing, is. Right? I am up. And, and what are we ahead. going to be watching? We are going to watch something that we have talked about several times throughout our journey, and we just haven't gotten to it yet. And I'm very much looking forward to that. And now I am going to talk slowly because I still have all of the soul info up. And when we are you type in watermelon, <laughs> it's all kinds of stuff that comes up before The Watermelon Woman, which is a 1996 film by Cheryl Dunyi. Yes, and that is what we will be watching next week here on the Me Show Mission, The Watermelon Woman. And we want to give you a, a heads up, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned on our social medias in the coming weeks because we're going to have a cool little um, contest that we're going to be running, putting out there for you um, as a prelude to a special event that will be happening this year for Mother May I Have Another One of Those Bad, Bad Movies. Um, look forward to that coming in the next couple of weeks up on our social media as well as in our Facebook group. It promises to be a lot of fun. Uh, I told you we're going to get interactive with each and every one of you. All right. Until next week, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.